everybody, and welcome back to the show. This is the Game Bites Podcast. Today is the uh, third day of 2016, but we are talking about 2015. My name is Legrand Jolly, your host. I am joined, as always, with Jeremy Lamont. I'm in another diaper today, but this time I'm dressed as a baby. And Dale Jones. Good evening. Jeremy, is that an astronaut diaper? I have pooped myself already. All right. And Skyping in on the right corner, Jared Dunn. Hello, Jared. Jeremy, the correct answer to his question was, well, it depends. <laughs> oh. That was... That was <laughs> That's a that was great, great intro. We should roll with it. Do it. All right. We're rolling with it. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. This is uh, it's 2016, and we're talking about our 2015 games of the year. That's that's this episode. What do you guys think? G's O-T-Y. G Goaty. It's the Goaties. The Gasoti. I regret not having played any games last year. Yeah, I, I regret playing so much Diablo 3, and well, actually, I don't regret anything. It was totally worth it. Uh, but yeah, uh, do you guys think you guys have a good gaming year, I guess, the last year? We've been recording this podcast for nine months now? Yeah. Does that sound about yeah, right? something like that. Something like that. I uh, I was kind of surprised when, when it came time to sort of boil this down to... we. I mean, we were easy on ourselves and said three you know, games that we would consider games of the year, but I was surprised by how many things I just had to leave out. I started making up my own little categories just to be able to talk about all the great games that, that actually happened last year. It was, a, it was a good year. Yeah, it was. It was a very uh, variety-filled year for me. I had, um, we have like 80-something, 90-something videos on our channel. That's, that's the most, that's a lot of games. Wow, great work, man. I spent a whole lot of time in 2015 playing games that were released far prior to 2015. Uh, but I did get in a lot of uh, 2015 releases as well. So, I mean, that's kind of how I like to mix things up. Yeah, I was I was also kind of surprised by how many current games I played, because my usual modus operandi is not to play the current games, but I kind of did in 2015. Well, you got a new Xbox. That counts for something, yeah, right? that's true. Got to keep up and on And you that. got a new PC. That's right. That's right. I've It's basically a whole set of obligations with each of those. That's right. Well, how do you want to start this off? Do you want to start with our uh, our little made up categories, or do you want to start with our game of the year? Or uh, well, let's. What uh, should we do? I would say let's go ahead and get right to it, and then uh, that way we can, you know, for the, for those who fall asleep during that discussion, we can get our own little personal categories out of the way. So you want to do personal categories first? Uh, yeah, sure. Let's do that. I'm going to start first. So th- these these games are games that, while they did not make our top three, uh, we wanted to give them a little bit of respect and some props by giving them their own little category to win, right? Yes, indeed. Is that basically what we did, Jeremy? Yep, that's Sounds right. Good. Just whatever, that's whatever what I little category, something that struck us personally, yes. Well, I've got one. Uh, I will start. Uh, I am giving the award for the best paint-themed shooter to Splatoon. Uh, it is the only one who entered in this category this year. <laughs> it is by also default. the winner. Um, Splatoon is an awesome game, and it came out uh, and kind of caught a lot of people off guard with how good it actually was. I don't think people really understood what it was supposed to be when they revealed it and the gameplay and everything else. But once uh, it got in people's hands, they seemed to really, really enjoy it, and I had a lot of fun playing it. Uh, My kids had a lot of fun playing it, and it was a very unique thing and something very... Uh, the, the competitive nature of it is not something that you would have expected from Nintendo. I mean, obviously, Smash Brothers is something competitive from them, but uh, this game was a shooter, and I, I would never have thought that you know Nintendo would be able to make a decent shooter, let alone something unique that would hold my attention um, for a while. It is a new IP, so that's very very cool as well. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing what they 
do with it in the future. I don't know. You, you said you did it. enjoy playing it. Are you still playing it a little bit now? Then I I haven't played it for a while. Okay. I've been too busy playing Diablo three. <laughs> they they have kept on. I've been pretty impressed with the Nintendo. They they not only started off with a pretty good um you know first impression. They did the Splatoon test fire if you remember, which was a mm-hmm. uh, limited time sort of demo slash server test that was only available for an hour at a time and predetermined scheduled hours, uh, which was a huge pain in the butt, but a lot of people participated in that, and it was kind of a, I mean, it kind of made a big splash, so to speak, at the time, and uh, I think people came away from it with initially good impressions. It, it probably helped them out, too, because, I mean, as far as I remember, I don't remember experiencing any problems with getting into matches or dropping from matches, and I did participate in one of those test fire events um, and was able to play a couple matches, so... Um, yeah, and, and then all the way up until now, they just released the uh, the newest free content update. So they've sort of been drip feeding out new uh, weapons and maps, and uh, you know they do that uh, every so often. They do the Splatfest, kind of the um, occasional themed, you know, cats versus dogs, hot dogs versus hamburgers kind of thing. Uh, that I think they've really been sticking with it as far as post launch support as well, and then I think that's been. To their credit, I think that's been... And all that has been free up to this point, I believe, too. Yeah. So that's, yep, that's, that's also correct. cool. Yep, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so uh, congratulations, Splatoon. Uh, the Game Byte Show Best Paint-Themed Shooter Award goes to you. Um, thank you very much, Nintendo, for being awesome with that game. I'm going to jump in with my fun little category, which is the best homage to Earthbound in 2015. <laughs> and I picked Citizens of Earth. Take what? that, Undertale. Yes, that's you didn't right. Pick Undertale? No. I don't it, even understand why people even thought that was an homage. I don't. I didn't. Never got that vibe from Undertale. Uh, it it is. I mean, it definitely has that. Uh, you know, the the quirky way the battles play out, and you know, the same thing is true in uh, in this year's winner, Citizens of Earth, which came out. I want to say even in January. I don't remember exactly uh, when Citizens of Earth came out. I, I did check to make sure it was this year. Uh, but the at the time, I, I think it was the. As far as I can think of, it was the only um, new game to really chase that Earthbound vibe. Um, the The game, of course, takes place on Earth, and you play the vice president of Earth, the newly elected vice president of Earth, and uh, you know, going going on your wacky uh, 2D RPG adventures and recruiting lots of different citizens. Everybody in you know, just dozens and dozens of characters that you can recruit throughout the story in the game, and each one has uh, its own set of abilities. Um, you basically can, can mix and match your party. They were all goofy and wacky, and again, in that same same way that Undertale did, uh, kind of have that uh, tongue planted firmly in cheek throughout the battles. Um, and I think that, that originality, the fact that it came out, um, you know, before anything else uh, had... had really explored that area. Uh, I think it was really cool, and I think I had said at the time that I was kind of done listening to people talk about Earthbound, um, and uh, I, I don't think enough people really tried this out, and I don't think a lot of people really appreciated it, but uh, for my for my experience, and, and I, you know, played both of the contenders this year, and uh, I think, although they were both good, there were no bad homages to Earthbound in 2015. Uh, for me, I, I think the better game turned out to be Citizens of Earth. Well, all right. I never played Citizens of Earth. I I don't know what to say about it. So, uh. <laughs> well, how about this? I um I made up a category that is separate from the uh, my you know game of the games of the year, and it's just called coolest game. Pretty sweet category. And this year's 2015's coolest game has to go to Invisible Ink. 
just for its cool factor. It's uh, flawless, ceaseless devotion to cool. <laughs> mm, that's pretty cool. You, you talked about this game a couple weeks ago. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. This is the it, this is a strategy game, turn-based strategy. Game. Yeah, but it's a turn-based strategy stealth game. Based um, on emphasis on the stealth, and it's it's sort of like cyberpunk noir. Um, so you know, sort of Blade Runner e, mm-hmm. um, but with like you know corporations ruling the world, and you're pulling off these like hacking and data heists. And you have a crew that is very much like a bunch of people that are like cyber augmented, but still wear trench coats and, uh, you know, have like spy clothing and things. It's, it's just really, really cool. What, what made it cool-ish? What's the, what's the most cool thing about Invisible Ink? Everybody wore sunglasses and turned their baseball caps backwards. <laughs> sunglasses inside. Whoa. Yeah. Um, no, it's just it, the music's great. The art direction is really great. Um, it plays like for a for a turn based game that's a stealth game that has no emphasis whatsoever on combat. It's pretty pulse pounding. Like, like I don't. It, I, I very rarely have had a turn based game like get my heart rate going because I was excited or uh, you know trepidatious about something. Like, uh, but yeah, this Invisible Ink. It's a cool game. I want to play it still. Sounds cool, um, but I haven't. It's I it's by Clay, will. so yeah. I mean, you know. Oh yeah, they have a good right. reputation, and uh, with good reason. This is a really good game. Is it on sale right now? We have like another twenty four hours, Probably, twelve hours of Steam sale. I you know I I would not bet against that. Um, I don't know. I could probably tell you right now. It uh, it's on sale for ten bucks, which I think that's. That's 50% off. That's a pretty cool price, guys. Let's be honest. (laughs) I would invite. That that is the coolest price ever. I would say get it. It's good. All right. Um, So, for my uh, category, I I have best thing about a game that surprised me and was the best part of the game. Um, So, this is. So this is for the you know those games you're looking forward to that are releasing. You track them all all week and your or year, and you're ready for them to come out. You're ready for the new story, all this and that. And then there's some part of it you're like, you had no idea it was going to be there, and it just kind of blew you away. Um, I gave this to Guild Wars 2 Heart of Thorns. Uh, kind of the soundtrack, but more importantly, which is absolutely amazing, but more importantly, just the audio. Um, it, like, the way they... It is easily the best audio, and there's another game on our Game of the Year list that has really great audio that's really important to the gameplay, but... Uh, just the quality and the amount and sort of the constant immersion of the jungle as you move through it and the voice acting um, is just blew me away with how good it was. It's the best. It's the best audio ever. And it's like the first game that I've left the music on while I play in probably a decade. Um, the soundtrack is just absolutely uh, phenomenal. Um, I, I never played Guild Wars, the expansion, but I played a ton of the original game, but it, I never got that feeling from it, really. No, and even Guild Wars... Is War- this better? Is this different? Yeah, so even Guild Wars 2, like, the soundtrack was good, but in my opinion, it, it reused a lot of... I mean, not in my opinion. It reused a lot of the tracks from the original game, and so after having played that game since its release, you know, eight years or whatever it was, uh, it felt a little bland and kind of flat. Um Heart of Thorns has a very expansive, all-new audio tracks, all-new soundtracks, all-new um, audio for the jungle. It's it's really good. 
I mean, honestly, it's probably the best part of that whole um, expansion. And you know, the story's great. The the things they've added, the new classes, all that. It doesn't mean that those aren't great. Just the audience is that phenomenal. That that really makes a statement. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I had sort of been noodling around the outline document here with uh, soundtrack because that's that's one of the things that, aside from the games themselves, that I think of every year. I, I try and think of what the best music was that I heard all year, and I had a really tough time thinking of original compositions um, that really stuck out to me. I mean, The Order 1886 had some kind of cool, like, viola kind of stuff going on, but I I couldn't think of anything really... uh, MGS5. Yeah, well, but the thing (laughs) about that is that... uh, Even the the, um, original stuff, not, not like the licensed, but uh, there's some really good original tracks with and without vocals. There's ambient stuff, there's... The, the two or three voiced songs in the game. And, and then the, the the licensed tracks, though, were a big part of that. Uh, yeah, true. You know, which, true. Is what I, which, which is what I heard a lot of people talking about was, okay, what is the, you know, what's the helicopter music that you play? Or what's, you know, what David Bowie song as you mm-hmm. mow down uh, gorillas the or, sold or the world, whatever. By the way. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and, and so for me, that was, uh, I, I, although come to think of it, there, there were some, um, I mean, uh, Axiom Verge, I think, had some, had some pretty cool original music. Um, but I, I, I thought this year a lot about the licensed music. Um, Hotline Miami 2 came out this year, which uh, I think is probably one of the best licensed soundtracks I think I've ever heard ever. Um, Tales from the Borderlands, I think I mentioned when we were talking about that, um, every episode had a, a really cool and well-picked audio track, um, Ollie Ollie 2 for, for like ambient music, um, but, but Jared, I, I really appreciate and respect the fact that of all of the things about Guild Wars 2 that you zeroed in on the music like that, I think that's, I think that's pretty neat. Yeah, and I think they've been getting a lot of feedback. I actually remember, uh, watching, um, mid-December they put out a video on behind-the-scenes to making of the audio and... Just the audio, just the sound in in that expansion. It's it's worth watching. It's out on YouTube. You can find it on the Guild Wars Two webpage. But uh, mm. oh, it's really good. And you know, do you buy a game just for the audio? Uh, I don't know. I, but man, when you do, crank it because it's it's gonna sound amazing. When when you're cranking it on your uh, vinyl record player. Oh yeah, I did just buy that. <laughs> <laughs> I I was looking today to see if that game was on some sort of a holiday sale, and it is not. Like I, the the other game, it took a long long time for the original. Guild Wars 2 to come on any sort of discount. Um, yeah. Yeah, the expansion is not. Now, you can go play Guild Wars 2 for free now, which is nice, but uh, no, the expansion... already have it. Yeah, the expansion, uh, no sale that I've seen. 50 bones still. Anyway, I still want to play it, and when I do get around to playing it, I will pay attention to the music, just for you, Jared. You should. Well, very good. Well, those, those are our oddball categories. Um, so... After that, maybe we can get right to the meat of it. The best games that we played this year. Um, and I don't know, we, we each were allowed to pick three, um, up to three. Do, do we want to just, everyone do kind of their, their individual? Do we want to do a round-robin format for this? Probably, let's do a round-robin starting at the bottom, number three. Let's do that, and then we'll get around to number one. Sounds right. good. That's not okay? Did it, we, we all played games, and we picked games that came out this year, actually, right? Yes. Yes, um, absolutely. <laughs> they, must, they must have been released uh... in 2015. <laughs> Or else Diablo three would have won again. <laughs> Just game of all time. Uh, yeah, quite, quite actually. Yeah. Anyway, who wants? Uh, I guess I'll start since I started out the first time. Uh, my third place game of the year goes to Rainbow Six Siege. Um, and I've been talking about this game a lot lately. It's kind of, it's kind of makes it difficult for me to say, okay, it's been 
12 months in this last year and the last month I basically only played Rainbow Six Siege um and so right now it's kind of hard saying okay that the reason why that game is so cool to me right now is because I'm actively playing it and participating in it but as I think back to everything else um this year especially from a multiplayer standpoint uh, there wasn't a whole lot else that uh there was one other game that's also on my list but uh, there wasn't a whole lot else that really grabbed me and kept me going um especially a game that is so simple and where there isn't a whole lot of modes or content there's basically it's just a, a multiplayer only shooter um that's very tactical and very very team oriented and for the one trick that it does um, it really, really has me going. It has me wanting to continue playing. Like, um, if we weren't recording this podcast right now, I'd probably be playing it because I have free time and it's night and I'd be playing Rainbow Six like I have been doing, um, for the last, you know, several weeks. And I just wanted to give props to, um, this was originally going to be one of my, one of my silly categories, but I decided it deserved a little bit more than that. But, uh, it's definitely the game that caught me completely off guard. But when I did finally start playing it, it really consumed my gaming time and, um, for me, I, m- I remember watching the trailer when it came out, and I was just thinking in my mind, like, there's no way this game will be good. There's no way that they can pull this off. Um, and Ubisoft somehow did it, and I didn't even care up until the game came out, and I started, you know, hearing about it, and then some of my friends started picking it up, and then all of a sudden we all had it, and then I, th- I think that is uniformly play. like the arc that people took with it, because mm-hmm. I, I, you know, when it was announced, I didn't even give it a second glance. Um, right. And then there are people who still haven't looked at it and just don't. It's not even on their radar. But the people who have played it really seem to be evangelists for it. I mean, they really seem to love it. Do you remember the original reveal when it had all those people communicating? They're like, "Okay, are you ready? We're gonna breach this door." And, and, and uh, I was I was rewatching that that reveal the other day, and uh, when I was watching it, I was just thinking, "This is exactly what we sound like when we're playing this game. Like it's exactly yeah. that. Like the, the communication between teammates is all right. I'm gonna breach this door. You go on the other side, and you know everyone's talking, and and it all works. And somehow they made it." In that video, it sounds it seems really really goofy, but when you're in the moment playing that game, it gets very very intense, and that communication is is very very important. Um, mm-hmm. So I just want to give props to Rainbow Six Siege for my number three game of the year, and I think it's absolutely fantastic, and I'm going to continue playing it um, as long as there's people to play it with, because that's obviously the best way that it's played. So there you go. Very good. I think we move on to Jeremy next. All right, so my number three slot is actually not a full game. My number three slot is going to Shovel Knight Plague of Shadows. Just the expansion? Just the expansion. Um, Shovel, Shovel Knight itself... Which did, is basically did, the game. Yeah, well, it did release... Yeah, I mean, it, it essentially goes through the the original campaign again, but with a new character, with new story beats, uh, with a completely new and, and retrofitted set of abilities and, uh, you know, ways to approach different levels. Uh, I think I mentioned when we talked about it on the show at the time, um, you know, Shovel Knight, the, the, the main character is based a lot on, you know, very simple hits, alternate abilities, of course, the shovel bounce, the downward thrusting sort of, you know, bouncing thing that he does. Uh, and in Plague of Shadows, as you, when you play as Plague Knight, that's totally thrown out the window. Um, everything is now based on a sort of double jumping burst system. Uh, all of the uh, cases and fuses and powders that you that you concoct, you know, you actually build your um, your armaments out of different parts and pieces that you unlock throughout the game. Uh, there's um, you know not just the action element to it, but there's a very funny sort of sub 
you know, Plague Knight has his his little minions and things, and he actually has this lair underground, and everyone kind of calls him boss, but he's like this like gobliny little dude, and there's kind of a love element to it, and I, I picked this because. Um, not only did it really turn me around, I didn't even think I liked this when I played the first level of Plague of Shadows, but by the second level, I was hooked. Um, once they started introducing the... I mean, once I realized that it was not just a retooling of, of the original game, but there was more to it than that. Um, and, you know, there were, you know, little uh, sniffles, you know, there's there's actually some emotional elements to it. Um, and just the fact that they that they did that... And I didn't even realize at the time, but they totally telegraphed this. This was a, a Kickstarter um, a stretch goal. Stretch goal. Yeah, and uh, they there's been... two other playable characters still. Yeah, exactly. So there's more coming. Goals. And yeah. this I felt was just really special. I felt it got overlooked by a lot of folks. In fact, I even noticed on a, a you know fairly prominent website when they made their list of the best expansions and add-ons in in 2015. They didn't even mention this, so I like got a little huffy, and I was like, "So, who, you know, who's in charge? Who's responsible for this?" And they're like, "Uh, well, we all are." And I said, "This isn't even on your list." And uh, so I've I've gotten some of those guys to. Uh, they, they said, "Well, well, we'll go ahead and play it, and we'll see how it goes." But uh, Plague of Shadows was a really great experience for me, and uh, you know, like like Legrand said, I mean it. It is a little bit of a of a cop out because it is essentially the the levels and the you know the scenario more or less of the of the original base game. Um, but I, I just I just have to really give props to Yacht Club Games for uh, taking this approach to it. it. It was really well done, uh, and and all for free. Um, you know, just if, if you had the original game, it was just a free add-on, and uh, it, it was just a really good showing for expanding the content of a game in a really cool way. So, Shovel Knight: Plague of Shadows. I also think that Yacht Club has done a extremely good job of. Um of promoting their game and continuing driving their game and marketing their game and making a ton of money off of their game by releasing it on every single platform there is out there. And then also they just had their Amiibo that was yeah. up for pre-order on Amazon and sold out in a yeah. day or less. Um, so good on them for, you know, being that small game that started with a Kickstarter and being an incredible success. And and, and especially when, you know, games come in and, and leave the public consciousness so quickly. Um, you know, I, I think that they, like you said, I mean, they're... they're um, I think really making the most of it. Not it was originally a digital only release, and they got a physical version. In fact, I was just in a in a Best Buy, and I kind of noticed on the shelf, oh, there's a copy of Shovel Knight. Maybe I should get yeah, that. Yeah, I saw it too. Um, so I mean, I, I could I can't help but smile a little bit whenever I see that game coming out on yet another platform. I think that's cool. yeah. <laughs> soon soon it'll be on what Amiga, Commodore sixty four. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that's my number three slot: Shovel Knight: Plague of Shadows. All right, Jeremy. <clears throat> I think I think I'm next. Oh, yeah, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> my uh, third favorite game of the year. Uh, this has to be Fallout Four. Well, you know what do you say? It's it's Fallout. It was uh, the Bethesda game that came out this year, um, and it was good. Had a good time with it. Uh, and, and furthermore, is it is it wrong to say announced this year? I mean, everyone sort of assumed it was that they were working year. on yeah, it. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, it was actually announced and delivered in the same year, which is pretty crazy. And had a sweet mobile game companion. Yeah, uh-huh. I didn't really get into that, but if you say so, <laughs> <laughs> I know I know that there were week. plenty of other people that liked uh, Fallout Shelter. But uh, does it have any hooks into the main game? I don't think it does. No, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. so. I, I didn't mean companion. I meant. Well, they announced that game. At oh, it, oh, it actually did have a companion app too. I forgot about that. Oh yeah, the little pit boy. Yeah, the, app. the actual companion app. 
yeah. yeah, but no, it was you know Fallout. It, Fallout's great. Uh, Bethesda games are fun. So what's not to love, right? Uh, I, I spent uh, like fifty six hours, according to Steam, playing it this year. Wow. And um, that's basically once through, and then I put it aside to to play some other stuff. But I did really enjoy it, and I'm looking forward to going back and. Trying, uh, you know, another character build, trying another one of the factions to play through the end game and seeing a lot more of all that stuff out there in the wasteland that I didn't see the first time. Yeah, this will be the game that keeps on giving in 2016 and 2017. Oh, yeah. And yeah. We're going to be coming back to it for sure. I mean, this is, for starters, there's going to be a lot of DLC, I'm sure. And then absolutely just I'd like to revisit these games. Yeah, I'd expect at least... They seem to pretty consistently put about four DLCs out for well, full three in New Vegas. Yeah, yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting to see because what they did with with Skyrim, it was a little bit there was like three or four of like varying sizes and intensity. Yeah, I think true. so. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. All right, Very cool. My turn. Um, I had for my third game, uh, The Witcher Three. Uh, so I really really enjoyed. Um, I'm not so sure I've enjoyed the story as much in The Witcher 3 as I did the previous games, but uh, just the feel of the world. You know, The Witcher 3 is open world versus the other games were uh, more linear. And just the the way that they have done the art, the atmosphere in that game, uh, is just like my perfect ideal for what I want an RPG, medieval fantasy RPG to feel like. Um <clears throat> With, you know, like, the way the armor, like, actually has, like, layers where, I, I don't know, it, it's hard to explain, uh, but all the pieces just kind of came together for me and just kind of clicked. Um, I've actually been trying to get back into it. Um, I want to actually put some of it up on our stream, which we haven't uh, shown off any of it. Uh, of no, course, that's it's pretty weird. Pop- it's pretty popular, so it's one of those that you can see full walkthroughs just about anywhere. Um but I do want to kind of show some of it off, just kind of, it's such a favorite, so. Well, and you know, speaking of games that keep on giving, you know, this came out much earlier, and I mean, this came out in, what, May, I think, of, of this year? Just before, the first half yeah, of the year. Something like that. I'm pretty sure. Uh, and, I, and I'm still seeing people who are like, oh, 150 hours, and I don't even think I've gotten past the second chapter, or something like that. Right. Um, I, I suspect that this is one, and they have already released a, a pretty major uh, expansion. Yeah, one, one and expansion. Free DLC. And free LDC. Yeah, they I had like 16 free DLCs and I had to go and add them all to my account in Steam all those free DLCs I mean there's so many of them it's almost an epic journey of its own just to add those to your account right (laughs) it was like the metagame the Witcher 3 (laughs) metagame Witcher 3 is next on my list of games to get back into and actually play and finish um, yeah. after Metal Gear Solid 5. But we'll, we'll yep. probably talk about that one more. Indeed. Well, uh, I guess I'm next again. Number two. Uh, number two on my list is a game that uh, has been in bay, was in beta and then actually came out this year. Um, it is, of course, of course, as you guys well know, uh, Rain, or not Rainbow Six Siege. <laughs> I already talked about that. <laughs> Heroes of the Storm. I was looking at Jared's list. Hots. Spoiler. Spoiler. Uh, he- Heroes of the Storm. You got the hots for hots. Um. So this is the uh, the, the MOBA from um, Blizzard, and something about this game, I, I remember when I played it at BlizzCon, I don't know, when they very, very first announced it, when it was still uh, Blizzard All-Stars, um, and it was basically a Dota clone put together in the StarCraft II arcade engine, I guess, 
and it had um and i remember playing as arthas and playing it and it was really really bad and it, it just did not play very very well um but blizzard really really turned it around and made it awesome um and made it a lot of fun to play and just really really weird and cool to be able to play as all those different characters uh competing against each other um and for me right now that is my moba of choice i've played dota 2 i've played league of legends i played original dota i've played i've tried them all out heroes of new earth and this is the game that is, I think, my favorite out of all of them. It seems like the community is a lot more friendly. The game is a lot easier to approach and play. Um, and I really had a lot of fun watching the esports scene grow on this and watching the different streamers. And um, right now, it still isn't very popular if you, um, you know, look at Twitch streams as a metric for that or Twitch viewers. Um, but for me, it was still, it is the best game of that type. And I'm going to continue playing it. I played a match today, and I won, and nice. uh, it's fun. So well, and and sort of to your points earlier, uh, this game a, a little different from any of the others that you mentioned. This game is sort of engineered specifically for the team dynamic, as opposed to you know uh, individual performance. I mean, all of the leveling is done as a group. Um, you know, they they sort of streamlined it to to make the individual performance more of a contribution rather than a you know than a standout kind of thing is kind of the way i understand that to be right exactly so the team levels together there's you, you can see your individual xp contribution to the team as a whole but that isn't obviously the metric that you know is going to matter at the end of the day it, it really is you have to you know team fight as a team and push objectives as a team that the, the cool thing about it is it's there's not just one single map where when you play League of Legends or Dota or whatever, uh, the competitive mode of that is there is one single map and that is it. And that's the only thing in this. It's more like more like a multiplayer shooter in the sense that there's multiple maps. And so when you see you watch like a tournament or, you know, like a best of five series, you will see you will see up to five very, very different maps with different objectives, different layouts, different ways that the. Um, the different heroes can interact and kind of work on those maps, and that kind of makes it a lot more fun to me. That's a lot more. I, I think that's great. I'm um, surprised that it that that genre has stuck with that single map layout as long as it has. I mean, I'm sure there are probably reasons for that, but gosh, it's just ugh. it's not as not as not as good. I think as having some some variety. Right, and and Blizzard has done a great job with releasing new champions about every two or three weeks, and they've also released lots of new maps. I believe they're up to like eleven different maps now. Um, to the point where they've now taken one out of the rotation, um, and they're they're keeping on going on. They've I remember they announced at BlizzCon they're they have like over 200 characters on the list of potentially looking at to in incorporate into the game because obviously across all the different Blizzard IPs there are hundreds of characters that they could you know put into here. So and pretty different and weird ones too. I mean they released that Chogall, uh, which is actually as far as I know the first two player. How would you describe it? The first two-player cooperative character. It is a character. single unit that is controlled by two players. Yeah. Like, I don't think... Has that ever happened in any game ever? Ever? Not a game like this. Uh, yeah. They also... Yeah, so they, they've they Can you do that in Nobi to... Nobi Boy, maybe? Nobi Nobi Boy. I guess you could if you have two people share the controller. Yeah, so... Anyway, good on Blizzard for, uh, you know, basically providing the framework to build the original Dota and then basically losing out on all of that <laughs> and now trying to come back and kind of starting to make some headway into that. And I guess this next uh, 2016 will have a lot of tournaments with a lot of money that they're kind of putting up to try to jumpstart and make this game um, bigger than it is. And I hope they succeed because it is awesome yeah, to watch. It seems like awesome they deserve play. it. So my nice. number two game of the year, Heroes of the Storm. Hots. Hots, hots, hots. 
My number two game, my slot, is going to go to Tales from the Borderlands, the Telltale game episodic series, five-episode series based on the Borderlands franchise. Uh, we talked about it on a few occasions. I know, Legrand, you got the opportunity to play the first episode, and of course, at this juncture, its first episode is free for everybody, and uh, I infamously stated that it was the best first 30 minutes of a game that I'd played in a long time. I don't know if it was quite the same for everybody, but but I stand by that still. Um, I think that the opening sequence to that game, um, I think it hit all the right notes. And uh, not, not just I think this, but I think a lot of folks who uh, either didn't really like the Borderlands series or maybe haven't been on board with Telltale games in general. Um, something about the way they pulled this off, the way they have the ensemble cast put together, uh, the way the uh, action sequences are are played out in this. Um, I, I mean, I know that was something that we uh, didn't really like as much in the Game of Thrones series, where the action would sometimes get in the way, but in Tales from the Borderlands, I never really found that to be the case. Um, crazy over-the-top sequences, just like things from your favorite chase movies. Um, a lot of comedy. It's so funny all the time, and they hit on all the right notes. Um, the, you know, from, from episode to episode, the way they, they crank up the, the tension and the, you know, the objectives that the heroes are trying to, uh, uh accomplish, um, it just is really, really well put together. I mean, there, there are great twists, um, the choices that you make, uh, do, uh, you know, pretty, uh, in, in a, in a pretty cut and dried way at the end of the game, um, make some pretty significant differences in, into how your story is going to play out. Um, I mentioned earlier the, you know, the licensed music that they use for this, um, they, you know, for all of the short episodes, they just hit the, they just hit, hit on the right cylinders. Uh, they just hit that impact, and I think they do that really well. Um, I, I, I was not sure when I came out so positive on this that that would be something that most people would share, but uh, not that I'm too worried about other people's opinions, but I am gratified to see that it has appeared on a lot of end-of-the-year lists uh, this year around the internet. Um, and, uh, you know, it still does show its age a little bit, that telltale tool. I'm, I'm hoping that... Uh, the Batman game and, and some of the other things that they've got coming out, I really hope that they technically step up their game a little bit more. Um, so that was something that maybe wasn't quite as good in, in Tales from the Borderlands, but overall, uh, just the way that the game presented itself, and um, I, I think it overcame most of that and uh, put it in the, the number two slot overall. Uh, you know, so, and and even this year, I've kind of decided that these games are more like interactive fiction than necessarily gamey games. Uh, but I don't care. I don't care about any of that. Tales from the Borderlands was an amazing, amazing experience for me in 2015, and uh, I think everybody should try it out. It also has Patrick Warburton. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, and it's funny it too that it right the the uh, the characters themselves. I mean, I mentioned the ensemble cast, but the individual characters are, are very interesting. And uh, I actually saw at the local Salt Lake City Comic Con, uh, I was blown away to see that the main character Reese. Uh, there was a cosplayer, so uh, I thought that was super cool. So, I, like I said, I am very glad to see that um, you know that other people have appreciated this game. I feel like some of the things that uh, that they've done in this are up there with, you know, actual real adventure games, um, and uh, I, I think that uh, I, I think that this is a game that we will remember in the future. We will remember that Tales from the Borderlands. Nice. Well, all right. Uh, I guess that brings me brings us to my uh, number two game of the year. 
Uh, and it's one that uh, Jared mentioned just a little while ago. It's The Witcher 3. This was my runner-up this year. Um, and it's, weirdly, it's not one that I've completed. Um, I got about 35 hours into it and then got distracted and uh, haven't really wanted to go back until I set aside like a whole bunch of time to just jump in feet first and set aside 2016 really (laughs) basically it's like i have to somehow claw my way up from all the other games that i've started and in the middle of before i get back to it but um those 35 hours i did really enjoy uh and uh, i mean had a the way that i was playing this game was sort of like a like an episodic tv series or something where i would like jump in and i would do like one quest line or something that would take about an hour and I'd be like, yep, that was my Witcher for the week, you know, and uh, it was great, you know, it's it's just so good. So um, I thought long and hard about like, well, should I give Fallout the runner-up or should I give it to Witcher? And I, I think, um, I think, I think this is the right spot for it. So yeah, uh, The Witcher 3, everybody. What, what really blows me away about The Witcher 3 real quick is is you can almost see the the like experience being gained by that uh development team as they make witcher one witcher two witcher three so they really pulled witcher three out of nowhere well there was a huge leap in quality yeah yeah between the first two as well um but yeah it's it is amazing to see what they've where they started and and where they're at now it's Mm -hmm. it's pretty crazy for sure i really think that people that invest themselves in the characters um I mean, for as much as the first Witcher was not a very pretty game or a, even a fun game at, at times to play, uh, the storyline and the characters really made that game stand out. And now with Witcher 3, not only do they have rad characters and rad storylines, but the gameplay matches, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. Go back and play sure. Witcher 1 now, and it's like... It's it, rough. It really feels its age. I, I did that. I yeah. went back and played some of the DLC this year that I hadn't, I'd never done before. Um and it takes a while to like get back in that groove, but when you do, it's just as good as it ever was. It's just, man, that's a lot of jank. It's game. unique. <laughs> yeah, and a it's, lot of igni you got to throw out. It's got a very strange combat system as well, uh, but it you know it works. It's not super difficult. Uh, sometimes it's difficult to make it do what you want exactly, but it's you know. Well, and speaking of those older games too, one of the interesting accomplishments I think that CD Projekt Red has um, has achieved with this series is that every release of a game in the Witcher series, there's like this increasing, like keening cry of response about how good. Like the first Witcher, people were like, "You guys don't miss this. This is a great game." Uh, the Witcher Two came out, and you know it got even louder. You guys, The Witcher Two is amazing, and it came to consoles, and it got to go to a, a broader audience. It came and to the, the three sixty, right? Right, came to came to that came late to that console. You know, like like two years after release, and to the point at, at that point, people were like, "Not really." Yeah, extra caring. extra cutscenes, Dale. Yeah. But but it, you know it went to a broader audience and I I mean I remember hearing that a lot of people were like sort of glomming onto this and sort of realizing like wow this really is really cool and now The Witcher Three came out and just universally people who play it are like wow it's amazing but it but now it's just like whoa it's just a little too big <laughs> um, but but yeah just the the fact that they have accomplished that that sort of you know bullhorn effect. Uh, with each successive release, yeah. I think has has been really impressive. Well, and I'm I'm uh, happy to say that uh, I, I've been along for for most of that ride. I, I got on the train with uh, 
the first game like a year or two after that had come out. And it was weird because as I finished up the first game, it was like serendipity or something. Like they just announced The Witcher 2 like maybe a couple of weeks after I'd finished the first game. And um, just seeing that announcement trailer, it was like, holy crap, this looks really good. And then, uh, yeah, and then it came out and it was amazing. Amazing. (laughs) And and I thought everybody knew it then, but maybe it was confined to sort of like the, the... PC gamer crowd or something. Um, But yeah, no, you're right. I had the same experience with Witcher 1 and 2. I I finished Witcher 1 the week that Witcher 2 came out and immediately just played Witcher 2. It was awesome. Fantastic series for sure. Nice. Uh, So another repeat for my number two um, was uh, Rainbow Six Siege. So I give this my number two game of the year. Um, I really like this game for what it... uh, provides an unpredictability in multiplayer rounds so it actually worked out in a time when i was itching for a new you know first person multiplayer shooter um and battlefront was coming out and there's you know of course battlefield 4 is getting a little long in the tooth i basically stopped playing that CS:GO is going pretty strong but i was like i just wanted something kind of different uh than your kind of your standard jumping a match and it's going to go out this way and you're going to win you're going to lose uh rainbow six siege really pulls that out i mean just watching a video earlier today of some of the guys we play with pulling out a one i mean he was the last guy left on the team and he he won he killed everybody all five of the remaining enemy were still alive and, and it's just really unpredictable um there's a lot of different ways you can approach uh, very same objectives uh it's just a really great game and it what's amazing is it's just come out and they've kind of already said they're going to support it for as long as it's supportable uh with new maps new uh, operators which which will be free for everybody eventually um to keep that kind of player base uh from being fragmented so it really just has a great platform in which it can just grow and grow and i can really see it uh, continuing to be a great game into well into 2016 uh, so you know, I'm, the other I'm thing really about this about that, that I find pretty interesting as far as... Because I was trying to, just as, as LeGrand was talking about it earlier, I was trying to just in my own head encapsulate or, or to think about what it does differently. Because in some ways, I mean, it is kind of a Counter-Strike-esque kind of game or, or America's Army or one of those kinds of, uh, you know, tactical one-and-done, you know, you have one life uh, kind, kinds of games. But the other thing that I find very interesting about this, and, and I don't know if I'm hitting on anything here, but the fact that this game is, is a lot more about controlling space yes. than, than than some of those other games. And I find that to be very interesting. And mind space too. So you can actually, I found this to be pretty useful on defense, just a little quick tactic is if you will run to a window, if you can luck out and shoot them as they come in and act real aggressive in your first round, just watch the second round, they will approach much slower. Uh, they'll take up a lot of more time to try to reach the objective instead of kind of rushing forward. And you can just kind of play mind games with them. Um, listening to the sound, uh, this is the other audio important game that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Is so critical to be able to listen to footprints. Like, you don't want to move. Like, I'm always afraid to, like, move and look over my shoulder. In most games, it's no big deal. In this game, it's like, well, I make noise when I do that. And someone might hear me or, you know, I like, it's just, it's just crazy. It's got a lot of 
really interesting mechanics and they all just clicked together very well and they really executed on it and so uh good job uh ubi team because it's 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 like i said a great platform that they can build uh build on for the future yeah and then one of the topics of our one of our previous podcasts about the uh the you know the pay model or the or the, the monetization of this uh is a little bit different where uh, I, I believe, if I recall correctly, that the plan is that that maps and, and things like that, they're going to try to avoid fracturing the player base, right. and they're going to, uh, as far as you mentioned earlier about being able to support it, they're going to work to support it through you know characters. and. So, so uh, e- even the operators will be free. I think uh, if you have the season pass, you get them like a week early, but even those will be free. So... You'll just, if you have the season pass, you don't have to pay Renown for there you them, go. the in-game yeah. currency. You get them yeah. by buying them with real money, and then everyone else can earn them just like any other mm-hmm. operator and pay with them with right. the Renown, the in-game digital currency. And then yeah. and then the for-cash currency is all weapon skins and booster packs and stuff that are useful but not, not strictly necessary. So it, it's a good model. I hope it works out for them. All right. Down to the number one. We've got to that. Numero I believe uno. One. Drum roll. My... Game of the year is Metal Gear Solid V, The Phantom Pain. And I don't know what else I can say about this game that I haven't already said already in previous podcasts, but uh, it's it's another one of those games that's on the list of games that I played a lot of and then got distracted by something else. And then now I've come back to it um, strongly again over the last couple of weeks. And really, it really hit me when I was trying to think about this. I'm like, okay, this is a game that I'm actually coming back to to actually play and finish. Um, and it's it's fantastic it's great i'm i'm loving every minute of it. there's there's not a second in metal gear solid 5 where i am bored or disliking playing the game um and there's not a lot of games that you can say that about um even like rainbow six siege like if you're losing it's not fun you know and, and metal gear solid 5 is always a joy to play the music is fantastic the gameplay is the best it's ever been and um I really think that it is a if it if it is the last full on Metal Gear Solid game that we ever get, it is a fantastic game to end out the series. And um, I I don't know I don't have much more else to say about it about except for that it's amazing and everyone should play it. Working my way up to it, I think. You should. I mean, yeah. I I don't know. It's a, it's a fantastic game, and it's it, as a big fan of the series that. I've been playing it since the very beginning. Well, since the the Metal Gear Solid um, beginning, um, it's it is that game style perfected. It is awesome. Would it be fair to say that we didn't know if this was going to be a good game before it came out? I mean, is that yeah? I no. thought it, I thought it kind of could have gone either way. I, I I even liked Ground Zeroes, and I was kind of like, well, you know, I mean, Ground Zeroes is really cool, but it's still not quite open world, you know, and. Well, Ground Zeroes was kind of more of a confined. Yeah, area. exactly. Right. So the question was, like, can can they pull it I, off? I, with can, the open it, right, especially for a for an Eastern studio like mm-hmm. that. Is that something that they would be able to do? And it, you know, it's Plus, beating out. This, uh, I mean, before, at least on our lists. Even yeah. even before the game came out, there was all this falling out with Konami and everything. So you had to kind of wonder, is the game going to be messed up? You know. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, it's and I, I haven't played enough of the online stuff, but it's, from what I did play, I really enjoyed that as well. So I'm, I think they did a good job at that, and I don't know, it's a, it's, it's a great package. It's a fantastic game, and uh, plays well on my PS4, and I wish I had it on the PC now. I was gonna say, I, I think uh, the track record for for a lot of those kinds of games uh, on PC coming out of Japan has not always been great. 
Um, and that's, this that's correct. As, but uh, yeah, both Ground Zeroes and the Phantom Pain are like spectacular ports, just yeah. flawless. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Anyway, so Metal Gear Solid Five is my game of the year. Um, everyone should just play it. It's just really, really good. And it's it's crazy, but the gameplay is man, it's second to none. It's the best. I don't know. It's just tight and perfect and flawless. So for someone who has never played a Metal Gear Solid game, would you still recommend it? Yeah, this is the one. Don't if you've yeah. if you've never played one to this point, don't bother. <laughs> Just play this one and if you're interested in the story, go back for whatever reason, <laughs> go back. Um sure. but yeah, this one is this this one plays more like you would expect a modern game to play where the old ones play well, I mean, it's a, for it's their a time, whole different the other genre. games, the other games played great for their time, but they were not shooters. This is more like a third-person action game, a shooter of sorts with a lot of stealth and uh the other games are stealth first rather than shooter Um, i hate to i hate to kind of say it but it's almost like you had to be there for for the other games and you know particularly like with the first and the second um you could maybe go back to three and four and and you know they're a little bit more modernized four especially but four um, can hang pretty well but with four if you go back and play four without having played the others you are going to be so lost it's like (laughs) whereas you don't have that problem with with five because it's Fairly well self-contained as its own story. All right. Yep. It's great. You should play it, Jared. Have you never played any of them? No, I've never played a single one. Um, I mean, I don't think any other Metal Gear games... Are any other Metal Gear games even available on PC? Ground Zero? Yeah, the the first and the second were at some point ported to PC. They're not on Steam or anything, so don't even bother looking. Uh, but they, they were Jared, ported. You, you, you should grab uh, Ground Zeroes for whatever it's on sale for right now and play it. Yeah, because Ground Zeroes just, is just like play it. Ground Zeroes is like the first one percent of the Phantom Pain. Yeah, it's it's like gameplay just to see what the gameplay is like and be like, holy, <laughs> if I can play an entire game like this, of a whole bunch of different places and scenarios and things to do, then yeah, yeah, yeah. that'll that'll sell you on it for sure. Okay, cool. There you go, Jeremy. My number one game of the year, my experience for 2015 was Axiom Verge. Axiom Verge I've been playing on PC, and uh, it is also available on PlayStation 4, and eventually will be coming to Vita, and who knows, maybe it'll be my 2016 game of the year on Vita. Um, (laughs) Axiom Verge is one of the smartest games I think I've played in a long time, in in a number of ways. Um, It is very self-aware. It is a a Metroid-style game, an Egovania, I guess we've sort of decided to call those on this show. Uh, (laughs) And it outstrips possibly any other game of its type. I mean, it is definitely the best. And this was in a year when Ori and the Blind Forest came out, which is another of of that type of game, and it was excellent. Ori was a great game. Um, But Axiom Verge is super smart. It is... uh, Functionally, it works... I mean, as well as any of those Metroid-style games have, uh, the weapons that it uses are really smart, really great. I mean, aside from being ha- having a lot of variety and being usable in a lot of different ways, um, a lot of secondary functions. I mean, there's a whole drill component thing that you can do, a um, kind of a, a digital corruption weapon that you can use, that you can use on just about any enemy and and it'll change their properties and make them into other new things you can unlock areas in the in the background of of the map or of the room that you're in um the story is really interesting um it's very um just like classic sci-fi like 
what's going on. We don't even know how far in the future is this. Is it an alternate dimension? Um, it's smart in the way the story is told. You know, you find the big twist in, in the middle of the story. Um, so it's not like, whoa, you know, it, it was my father all along at, at the very... I mean, they find that <laughs> stuff out halfway through and then the character actually wrestles with that and, and deals with... With, uh, I mean, that is not the twist, by the way. There's no father uh, thing involved. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, you, you know the, uh, the the hidden elements, the the collectible things in, in the game are, are really cool. Um, the mapping system is super smart. The weapon selection, the interface, the user interface for the game is really well done. Um, and just just generally, I mean, this this is another game where Metroid can crawl. Uh, so yeah, I don't know if you guys remember why can't Metroid crawl? Uh, you can actually yeah. duck and crawl in this, so game game of the year for sure. Um, but it's just really, really smart, I think, and made by I'm pretty sure I'd have to look at it, but like one dude, I think maybe two guys. Um, I think that's and accurate. Yeah. It is a superlative experience for for its type. Um, and if that is a style of game, if you liked, you know, Symphony of the Night, which is kind of the, the one oh, that and I did. say, or Super Metroid, um, I feel like this is a better game overall. Oh, you're talking to me and Dale now. Yes. This this <laughs> is a better game than either Castlevania, Symphony of the Night, or Super Metroid. I'm saying it here. Those are big words. Yeah. I will I will stand by that. Um and uh, it, it's just it's just a really good distillation of that genre, and it does everything right. It's just really, really well done. Um, and I'm looking forward to playing it again on the on the Vita. Uh, in fact, I may play through it again on the Vita just because I liked it that much, and because the Vita is so great. Uh, Legacy Platform 2016. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just I, I just love stuff that's smart. Um, you know, I, I give give credit to good dumb fun where it's due, but there's no substitute for a really smart and well done um, game. So adding it to my wish list. Yes, do I almost bought it, it was and on I on Steam, but I think I'm going to play it on the PS4. Yeah, and it, it is and it is cross buy. So if you uh, on on the Sony uh, when it does come out on Vita, anyway. yes, correct. If you buy it on PS4 it and will, cross save, yep. As far as I know, all of that stuff yeah. is going to be in there. Um, the guy is just trying to, I guess, uh, work on the ports, and I think they had expected it to be in sometime 2015, but uh, he, I think he is regularly harangued about that on social media, and he's like, "Yes, guys, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming." So I'm uh, going to harangue him some more. Yeah, you should do it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Axiom Verge, my number one game for 2000. 2015 Axiom Verge. Wow, bold choice. Um, yes. For me, uh, my number one game, um, 143 hours uh, says that it is Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain, Ooh. which uh, Legrand covered just a, a couple of minutes ago. I'll just add on to that that it is so just unbelievably good. Um, it was. It was more than I really ever dared hope for, for um uh from a, you know modern um entry in, into the series, um especially with as I mentioned there was you know turmoil in the development house and 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 publisher of the game, um I was kind of hoping against hope that it would just be a a good game, um and it's I I mean it was way more than I ever bargained for like I I had no idea that. Uh, that it would be as good as it was or that it would be my favorite game of the year um, or that I would spend anywhere near the amount of time playing it that I did. Pro I mean, past Metal Gear games were, 
you know, I, I think I've probably played them all, um, you know, twice at the most, you know, a couple of them I've only been through once, uh, and they're like, you know, 15, 20 hour ish games. Um, I mean, and, they were definitely a lot more about the critical path, right? The, oh yeah, the, the that's all there is. I mean, to... it's yeah, it's just it's it's a it's a well, you know, singular experience. There's no there's not really any going back and forth and doing anything. Although, I mean, that that you always could kind of go back and forth to different areas, but um, there was just not really any reason to, you know. Um, and, I think even with Metal Gear Solid Five, even if you just burn through the critical path, it would still probably take you thirty to forty. Oh, I think hours it's yeah, I th- at least yeah. I mean, well, there's there's 50 missions, right? Even if you only do the first like chapter of the game, uh, which you could fairly encapsulate and say that that's, that in itself is, you know, a pretty solid video game, that chapter one experience, that's 30 missions plot only. Um, that's not including, um, you know, side world and things. Yeah. And like, I mean, which you'll find yourself doing just because there's no fooling around with rocket launchers. So much fun. It's just such a blast to play this game. Um, I had to finally just uninstall it because I was, I'd gotten to the point <laughs> where I had done like every mission. Uh, I hadn't done every side up, but I was like on my way to doing every side up. Right. And I was just like, there's, th- if I really think about it, there's just not, cause I, you know, I'd seen all the story content. I'd seen all the like extra story content. I'd seen all, all the like cutting room floor story content that was not even in the game. Um, uh, just because I've always been a huge Metal Gear like lore nerd, um, I guess if I had to say there was one spot where the game kind of falls down, it's like in it. You know, they don't spell out explicitly every single little detail of the entire Metal Gear mythos to people who want all those little ends tied up. There's some stuff that's that's never kind of really wrapped up, but uh, but that's ancillary to the whole experience. And most it's people also the middle of the timeline. Yeah, it's it's right in the, the middle series. of the timeline. So I mean, you kind of know where the overall story goes, right? Um but there's remarkably little like retconning done in this, you know, like almost three decade long wow. project that uh, Kojima worked on for like the entire time. That's a pretty time. major accomplishment because it felt like he would retcon yeah. things just within a game. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I mean, this this game is just a it's a singular experience, a singular accomplishment. Um, just amazing. Uh, can't recommend it enough. And yeah, it was ridiculously good. Game of the year. There it is. Game of the year, I agree. Game of the year agree, times Dale. two. Yeah. Mm. Jared, well, don't screw it up. Well, <laughs> we're not gonna we're not gonna contest it with Axiom Verge. My game of the year this year. Um, this is one I've actually been playing since before this, but it did officially release this year, and it, you know, it, I really enjoyed it for what it does in terms of how. It unlocks your creativity, and that's just the most amazing thing about video games to me. So uh, Kerbal Space Program is is what I'm giving the nod this year. Um, Boom. You know, this came from... This This is, uh, like, probably the best example of an early access game um, done right. You know, it came out... I've been probably playing it since, let's say, let's say 2013 or something like that. Um, and it, it started off with you know very few mechanics, uh, you know basic gameplay. You could get in, you could build rockets, you could travel around the uh, solar the uh, solar system. And, but they just kept adding. They just kept adding more parts, which you know with huge mod support is even more uh, customizable. Um, they added a, basically a campaign with you have to gain science and you have to do these experiments, and and they added this whole career where you have to you have to 
recruiting your trainer astronauts. Um, different types of astronauts can do different things, or Kerbals, I guess, can do different things. You have to build your bait, like your your launch facility. You have to upgrade that. It's just it just kept getting deeper and deeper and deeper, um, all in in the end to really do nothing but whatever you wanted to do. Um, it, it seems like it, it has a really wide range in that you can, if you want to, just kind of dip around and, and just kind of goof off with stuff. But if you really want to, and, and I, I mean, I, I never really paid close attention to this until we streamed it on our, uh, you know, it's in our YouTube archive. Mm-hmm. But it, there's like rocket azimuths and orbital, you know, windows of, I mean, yeah. it gets into some deep rocket, I mean, like actual rocket real, science. Real, real rocket science, really. And, you know, if, if you want to, you can, you can slap together some parts and get into orbit. You might even get to the, the moon um, without really thinking too hard about it. But if you want to go further, if you want to go beyond that, you're, you're really going to have to start to learn a little bit. And I really appreciate in this game, um, it, it is simple, it is easy to get into, but it is very deep. Uh, and there's just a, a ton of things you can do. One of my favorite things to do is just to build space stations. I build space stations all over the place. And in order to do that, you have to get you know, a couple of rockets to align. So you'll launch a piece and then you know, you'll return or have a, a discardable uh, satellite or whatever. And then I'll come back with another piece and I got to get that into orbit. And then I got to get that into the right orbit and at the same place and the same moment as the other piece, which you can do at launch if you're good or use a mod, or you can just get your, your hardware up into orbit. And then if you know orbital mechanics well enough, you can just kind of play with the orbit until you catch up. Um, or you can explore the solar system. You can take Kerbals to you know far off planets, land them, bring them back. It's just so much to do. I had no um, idea you could do that. Yeah, you can do even, all even that. until just now. I had no idea you could go to other planets. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely there's tons of other there's moons. There's other planets. The other planets have moons. Um, there's asteroids. You can go get asteroids and actually move them around the solar system. You can bring them back close to Kerbin. And oh, that sounds really cool. Them. Yeah, it's it's really deep game. You could spend well over a year playing and just still kind of learning something new. Um, and well, there's and some oil thing. rig mining kerbals you can take the asteroids to drill and build them up. There are. They actually added buoyancy to the uh, to the water. They actually kind of fixed that um, not too long ago, I think. So you can build boats and like launch rockets from or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, I don't know uh, how. I, just, I still don't know how I haven't gotten around to playing any kerbal because I I really love space simulation stuff and I just don't for it, some reason. Yeah. It, it is an amazing simulation for current space technology. Um, and again, it's just an exploration game. Your objectives are entirely your own. Do what you want. And I, I just love that about video games. And I love that this video game so embraces it that there's, you know, these Kerbal University that will teach you about rocket science and well, and that's something Apple that I, apps and peri apps and all this stuff and all these ways you can learn and actually learn something in the process and have a great time. Yeah, it's great. I, I was going to say awesome that, that's something that I have sometimes. I mean, like I learned a lot about just reading and stuff and vocabulary and stuff growing up playing video games, and I always felt like that is something that we are losing in some form. I mean, Minecraft has its sort of place, I guess, but by the time you've you know, by the time by the time a kid has spent all that time building stuff in Minecraft, like yeah, you've built something, but have you done anything that that actually translates into the real world? And and really not. But with this, 
um, even though it may not apply in day-to-day -day life, uh, you are secretly learning some, you know, some actual science mm -hmm. uh, in the course sure. of playing this game, yeah. which is it, not something you can say about everything. It, it's pretty cool. I, I love the game a lot. I don't play enough of it. I wish I played more. Um, but there you go. Game of the year. 2015. Excellent. Well, there you have it. And there you have it, listeners. So that is, uh, without any further ado, those are our favorite games of 2015. This has been our first podcast of 2016, and gentlemen, I dare say it is our best podcast of 2016 so far. For sure. Uh, <laughs> without a doubt. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, if you have comments, there's a lot to talk about here, lots to unpack, and a lot of stuff that we had to cut for this. Uh, going back and looking through the 2015 list, um, there is a lot of, of noteworthy uh, entertainment from, from last year that is definitely worth talking about. And if you'd like to mention that to us, if there's something that you felt we should have had on our list, if there's something that we put on that should not have been, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us as a group collectively on Twitter, at Show. Or you can reach out to us individually. I am at Jeremy underscore Lamont. You can find me at Legrand. I'm at Count underscore Elmdor. You can find me at Red underscore I. You can also find me over on YouTube. With all of our YouTube videos, we've got 85. I looked it up, guys. Um, wow. Uh, YouTube.com slash GameBytesShow. Uh, we are going to get back into streaming. I, I know it was kind of weird over the holidays, um, but we're going to get some stuff back up there. And I also want to try to get some more full-length uh, playthroughs. Maybe that... Um, Tales of Borderlands that we talked about in this podcast. So, have you done her story, Jared? No, I don't actually own it, so I'm I'm tempted oh. to pick it up and and do a playthrough that. I, I want to do kind of shorter term games because you know some of these really long like 80 episode playthroughs. Is yeah, her story is going to be but... probably like three hours or something. Yeah, that'd be perfect. So for sure. So good good resolutions for us in 2016. Uh, and also, if there's something that you'd like to see from us, your Game Bite show, uh, we come at you twice a week on our podcast talking to you about the games that we've been playing. That'll be our next show midweek. But then at the top of each week, we will talk to you about the news, new releases, and a special topic of discussion. So look forward to that. As Jared said, you can find our video archives. You can find that all on our website as well, GameBiteShow.com. We invite you to go over there and check out uh, all of our past golden oldies from 2015. Uh, back in the day, long, long ago. It's vintage now. Yes, absolutely. it's all in sepia tone. Uh, it's still point. relevant because we only talk about old games. Vignetting. Yeah. <laughs> we, we do a pretty good mix. We do a pretty good mix. We try and keep things to a uh, short little game bite. Uh, this is a special occasion, of course, so we went over an hour this time. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, until next time, this has been your Game Bite show. We certainly appreciate you listening. We look forward to talking to you next time. Thank you so much. Peace. See ya. Happy New Year. Later. Happy New Year. Yeah, that was a good part of it.